0: welcome back to mama mystery i am your host kelly and
1: i am your co-host austin
0: and i did not prepare an introduction so um
1: freestyle it babe
0: this is just freestyling if you're watching us on video hi how are you happy sunday happy sunday or whatever day this drops um typically we are going to be producing or publishing the videos to our patreon first so that our patreons can view it for a month and then we will be posting on youtube so when you're watching this on youtube we're like already a month older
1: aim into that anyway and if you're just listening you can now watch them on youtube how about that how about
0: that anyway the, well enough nonsense Let's get into it. it. Today we are talking about the case of Laura Jean Ackerson. So I had this um, New Year's resolution to read more books this year. I saw everybody had these resolutions to read books and there were some people who read 150
1: plus books, 200
0: books or something crazy. And my goal legitimately was to read at least six this year, six books. That's all I figured I could handle because I'm a mom with three kids and I I do a lot around the house and I just never have time to really sit down and actually read a book. I could listen, but I actually try that and I find my mind just wandering and I'm listening to whatever is being said, but I'm not comprehending any of it. So um, anyway, my goal was to actually read at least six books, which is laughable, but hey, whatever. I've actually read three so far in January. I've already read three.
1: Yeah something Kelly didn't calculate in is that a lot of these cases, she literally reads full books for them. And so I think she'll read six, just you'll read six just on behalf of doing the podcast, but
0: you're probably right. So one of those books is bitter remains by Diane Fanning and, um, Diane Fanning, she's an excellent author. If you're interested in learning more about the case, I'm going to be telling you about today. The book bitter remains is very good. It's very factual, straight to the point. It's not a whole lot of like storytelling but everything is told in a chronological order in a way that's easy to understand um it's not written for any kind of dramatic effect i really liked it it was an easy read and i felt like i fully understood the story after reading that book so is this
1: the one you read in like half a day uh
0: it was about a day and a half yeah
1: yeah crazy
0: Okay, so Laura Jean Ackerson, she was born on April 30th of 1984 in Hastings, Michigan, to parents Roger and Brenda Ackerson. She was one of seven kids, a big family, but her parents had a nasty divorce when Laura was a toddler, and her mom, who maintained primary custody, moved them around quite a bit. Two things that can sometimes create instability and have a negative impact on a kid. And for Laura, it really did hinder her ability to mature and develop a strong sense of self as she grew. Eventually, Laura moved and she planted her roots in Kinston, North Carolina, leaving the rest of the family behind in Michigan. Her brother, the one sibling that she actually was kind of close to, had moved to North Carolina not long before her. So she had at least one familiar face in this new city. Laura was outgoing, bubbly, and personable, all traits that bode well for a 20-something dipping her feet into the workforce. And she applied to be a waitress at an Applebee's in Raleigh, North Carolina. And that's where she met her best friend, Heidi Schumacher.
1: Applebee's used to be the shit, and they really fell off.
0: Yeah, I uh, we have an Applebee's. It's all
1: frozen microwave food, and it's like, they suck.
0: Don't come for us, Applebee's.
1: Applebee's used to be really good, though. They... They'd- When did they take a turn?
0: I don't know. I haven't been to Applebee's in a very long time.
1: Nobody has.
0: Maybe it's better. Maybe we don't even know what we're talking about because we haven't been in so long. I know what I'm talking about. But the girls gained some beginner's experience at Applebee's before Mm -hmm. moving on to the Front Row Sports Bar in hopes for more profitable tips. While she was waitressing, Laura enrolled in Kirkwood Community College to study graphic design. She had an eye for design and she wanted to explore that. She also considered going into real estate and marketing, but ultimately came up with the plan to start her own business, one that fed her creativity and her talent in marketing. While she was working at the sports bar, Laura met a popular singer and songwriter from the area named Grant Hayes III. Grant frequently played in various restaurants and bars in the downtown Raleigh area, and one of the bars was the Front Row Sports Bar. The two caught each other's eye, and they soon fell for each other, and it seemed like after a rough and bumpy adolescence, Laura's life might be going in the right direction for once. For a while, Laura kept the details of her new boyfriend close to the vest. She didn't really tell anyone, not even Heidi, her best friend. Heidi had been out of town for a couple months training for her new insurance job. And when Heidi returned, she met with Laura and Laura gushed about this new relationship she had with Grant. And then she dropped a bomb on Heidi when she admitted that Grant wasn't just her boyfriend. Grant was actually her husband and they had gotten married at the courthouse on a whim.
1: Whoa. Mm -hmm. So that was really fast.
0: Super fast.
1: Can I tell a prediction real quick? Yeah. The second you started saying she had this boyfriend that she was super into and not telling anybody and knowing her background my mind went to these cases where chicks are heavily manipulated and like love bombed. And then they end up being the, like, that's the culprit is the boyfriend.
0: You know, I love that you just pointed that out because I do think (laughs) for as much flack as people get for being into true crime or, being having this morbid curiosity about true crime, there's something to be gained and learned from a lot of these stories. And that is one of the themes that you've picked up on. Mm-hmm. You can see it from the outside and you can pick up on it. And you're so spot on. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's interesting because had you not listened to all of these stories that I've told you over the last few years, you it. wouldn't have picked up on that. So
1: I am listening.
0: You are listening and you are comprehending and you're more than just a pretty face. Thanks,
1: babe. Appreciate I love
0: you. That. So a few months into the marriage, Laura became pregnant with their first son.
1: Which is technically a few months into knowing each other, right?
0: Yes. Um, Grant the fourth. So excited for this new baby, those closest to Laura wanted to celebrate with her and help her with him, but they soon felt some pushback from Grant. He started driving a wedge between Laura and almost all of her relationships, including the one with her brother and her best friend. He also started voicing these strange and truly ignorant theories like for example he refused to let laura vaccinate their new baby because he believed that the black community especially black babies are more likely to become autistic if they're vaccinated
1: is this couple black
0: so since he was black and laura was white he was afraid that their baby would be at risk and just a side note, I don't really care where anyone stands on vaccinating their kids. If you want to or don't want to, that's your right as a parent Amen. to do with whatever you want with your kids. But just don't make the decisions based on fallacies because it weakens your credibility. In my well, even, opinion. I mean,
1: here's the deal. Somebody who believes in it will probably say that anything's a fallacy if you don't want to do it. But it's kind of a strange reason. Yeah. It's like, like man, I can't imagine there's many flat earthers that listen to this show. Let's be honest, and we're not editing this out. I cannot imagine there are many flat earthers listening to this show. If there are, please stand up, (laughs) put one of each hand up, (laughs) leave it in a review, give us a five star, and say I'm a flat earther and all shit. We'll see. You know what? If you are a flat earther. I was going to say I'll send you a gift card, but I don't really want to award flat earthers. Let's just keep keep moving.
0: (laughs) And then you're going to get people just saying they're a flat ather. Flat ather? Flat earther. Flat earther. And if you're a flat earther,
1: please stand up and put one of each hands up and be proud and out of your mind because you are. Go ahead, babe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. All right. So anyway, not long after the birth of their first son, Grant really was losing touch with reality. Grant had a history with psychiatric treatment and had been treated in the past for depression and bipolar disorder. He had been prescribed lithium, but also leaned heavily into his faith, studying the Bible every single day and making prayer a big part of every day. And then there was this shift where he started disregarding studying the Bible and started studying the life of Tupac instead. And he studied and memorized the lyrics to every single one of Tupac's songs as if those were Bible verses. And just a few years before he met Laura, he experimented with hard drugs like cocaine and heroin and even strong synthetic hallucinogens. And over time, the people who knew him felt like they didn't know him at all anymore.
1: Interesting. When you said instead was where it went wrong, you know, like he was studying the Bible and getting very into it. And then he became very interested in Tupac which would have been fine, and you said instead.
0: Mm-hmm. So he,
1: like, made Trupac his religion.
0: Yes, exactly. Weird. When he met Laura, he was able to lure her right in, right away, with his musical talent and his charismatic stage presence, but he also noted that Laura lacked some self-esteem, and he really preyed on that, and it didn't take him long to start manipulating her and controlling all aspects of her life, between her work, her friendships, and her life at home. Once he started peeling back the layers and revealing his bizarre ideologies, Laura realized that she was in trouble, but she was stuck. She was married to this man. She's got a baby on her hip. She felt helpless. She would cry on the phone to her best friend, Heidi, and Heidi would hear Grant raging in the background, demanding Laura to get off the phone, forbidding her from talking to Heidi anymore. And then he became physically violent towards Laura and started bringing around pimps and drug dealers to their apartment with their baby in the apartment and his own family including his parents and his sister came over to the apartment one day when grant wasn't there to tell laura that she needed to leave him that grant had this plan to take over the world by having 50 kids with 50 different women and that he had just completely gone off the deep end and that she needed to save herself and her child like his own family is staging an intervention for their son's wife
1: yeah, red flag. Mm-hmm. Get the hell out.
0: So just as she was preparing to escape with her one-year-old son, Laura discovered that she was pregnant with their second child. And this prompted her to give their relationship one more chance in hopes that maybe this new baby would help their family dynamic. Who has that ever worked for? Yeah. That's, I, I
1: mean, there's a lot going on, though. I mean, mentally for sure. her, it's not like it's easy to just bounce.
0: No, and I'm not saying that at all, but anytime you ever hear, like, oh, let's make it work for the kids or you a know, maybe a new baby effort. will help.
1: Yeah.
0: No, a new baby never helps. It never helps when you're that far gone. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she gave the relationship one more chance. And in August of 2009, Laura gave birth to their son, Gentle Rain Hayes. Grant moved down to the Caribbean, to St. John's Island in an attempt to reboot his music career around this time. And at first, Laura joined him, but when she realized that Gentle had some health issues, she moved back to North Carolina to get him proper health care, leaving Grant behind. The two stayed in touch regularly, and Grant was open about this woman that he met while he was on the island. She was an actress and singer named Amanda Smith, and he was, I guess, teaching Amanda how to play guitar. And Amanda's biggest claim to fame was an uncredited role in The Stepford Wives with Nicole Kidman and Faith Hill where she played one of the Stepford Wives. Are you familiar with this movie? Nope. These wives are all kind of robotic and they're just like programmed to be super submissive to their husbands. Anyway, it's it was an uncredited role. She was like basically a background character. But Amanda was once married to a man named Nikki Smith. But he had since passed away, leaving Amanda a hefty inheritance to the tune of about $188,000, in addition to more than $75,000 in expensive jewelry and accessories. Grant assumed that Amanda could be his ticket to fame, his liaison to the stars, if you will. And Laura suspected that there was more to their relationship than Grant was letting on. And then just a few months later, Laura was blindsided when Grant sent her a picture of Grant and Amanda, their young son Grant, and Amanda's daughter Shay at what appeared to be a wedding ceremony in Las Vegas. Grant married Amanda and told Laura that he was able to do so because his marriage to Laura was never actually official because he never signed the marriage certificate. And when Laura rummaged through all their stuff and found the marriage certificate, she learned he was telling the truth. No she was way. never legally married to Grant.
1: dude duped her. Oh, my gosh.
0: So now Grant had their son in his custody and was threatening to keep Laura away from him. And she felt helpless. She had no money to get a lawyer and didn't even know what her legal rights were in this situation. She had few people to turn to because Grant had isolated her from so many people. And who
1: got the inheritance?
0: Amanda, his okay. new wife. The new wife. Mm-hmm. And, and now Stafford he's entitled
1: wife. to that, I assume. i Oh, he's trying to be.
0: Yeah, he's trying to tap into it. Yeah. So in April of 2010, when Grant, Amanda, and little Grant made a trip to Kinston to visit Grant's parents, Laura was relieved when she was allowed to see her son, who was now two years old at this point. They had been holding baby Grant from Laura, not letting her see him, for over a year. No way. Behind Laura's back, Grant went to the court and filed for custody of the boys, under the grounds that Laura was making posts on Craigslist looking to trade sex for housing and that she couldn't control the baby's temper tantrums, making her an unfit mother. Well, Laura didn't even know about this court hearing, and so she didn't go to it, and she didn't even find out about it until she was served the ex parte custody motion. At the same time, Gentle was being taken from her and turned over to Grant. I can't even imagine. Like, she's literally blindsided she's given this paperwork and they're like we got to take your baby and the baby's crying and screaming being taken from her she is all this baby has known his whole life so far and i just can't even imagine that nightmare nightmare So Laura met with an attorney two days later and went to court on June 25th to try and fight for her boys, but without a permanent place to live or a job because the apartment that she'd been living in was Grant's and she had no job while she was taking care of Gentle, she appeared to the judge to be unstable. But Laura also made the argument that Grant was a substance abuser, and ultimately the judge agreed to allow Laura to have the boys on the weekends while the boys stayed with Grant and Amanda during the week. In the meantime, both Grant and Amanda were ordered to undergo psychiatric assessments because they were both just throwing accusations left and right. And so at this point, they're like, okay, we got to get to the bottom of this. We're just going to test you both, basically. Mm-hmm. So over the following months, Laura kept very detailed records of any contact that she had with Grant and what she did with the boys, what she fed them, how often she changed their diapers. She kept these very detailed records because she knew that Grant was conniving and would try to use anything he could against Laura to make her appear as if she was an unfit mother. And he would often... Make accusations that when they would come back from her care, they would be sick or they would have an allergic reaction to the food she was giving or whatever. He would just try to find something to pin her on. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she was keeping these very detailed records. But Laura was always attentive when she had her time with the boys, and she dropped everything to care for them. When they were with her, she was fully present with them the entire time. But when they were with Grant, they were mostly cared for by Amanda. And this became evident during one of the evaluations that the court performed with the kids. They had each parent bring the kids in at different times to test how the boys would react if the parents left the room. So when Laura brought the boys in... And they were talking with this stranger and then Laura... How would old were they? I'm sorry. Oh, gosh, I don't remember. They were under three. Okay. But um, at this point, you know, they're in this room with this stranger. And then Laura was supposed to leave the room and see how the boys would react to being left in this room with a stranger. Mm-hmm. And they were getting very upset. And then when Laura returned, she was able to console them really quickly. But when Grant brought the boys in and then left the room, they didn't seem to care. And then when Grant returned, they didn't care much then either. And it was clear that the boys favored their mother as she had built this attachment with them before Grant took them away from her. And that's very common with babies. Whoever they spend the most time with in those crucial months, those first months, they... They create that bond, and if you don't create that bond, they have no attachment to you. So they didn't have any attachment to Grant because they didn't spend the majority of their life with Grant Mm -hmm. up until the point that he took them away. But even then, they're more with Amanda. Mm -hmm. Grant's motives for getting custody of his kids seemed to be more so motivated by financial gain than the actual idea of having more time with his kids. And he made this very clear during his interviews with the doctors, messages with his friends, and even lyrics in the songs that he wrote. He always complained that Laura was just wanting child support and that she was a hanger on. But Laura never wanted child support from Grant. She just wanted custody of her boys. That was it. Grant was lazy, and he always felt like he was too good for the work that was ever available to him. And it became very clear that if anyone was using someone for money, it was Grant. Mm -hmm. He used Laura in the beginning and all of her savings. And then once her savings were gone, he moved on to Amanda, who had inherited a substantial fortune after her husband had passed. He seduced and manipulated Amanda, marrying her in Vegas on a whim, likely in an effort to tie her up before she came to her senses about Grant. But once Amanda's inheritance had dwindled down to nothing, he began pawning her expensive jewelry, her Rolex watch, and even her engagement and wedding rings from her prior marriage and more. Grant was maxing out all of Amanda's credit cards to fund these trips to L.A. and Hawaii and New York.
1: To do what?
0: He said that he was pursuing his dreams and that he had these opportunities to meet with these record labels and all these things. None of it was ever true. Nothing
1: was coming of any of it, and he just kept burning through all this money?
0: Yes. And meanwhile, Amanda stayed back to care to take care of the boys that they refused to hand over to Laura. So it's like all of it's just a control Mm -hmm. tactic on Grant's side. And
1: using people.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Grant was originally ordered to pay the court costs and fees for the psychiatric evaluations ordered by the court, but he stopped making payments and was found in contempt of court. So his lawyer dropped him as a client and he got a new lawyer and this lawyer argued to the judge that Grant and Laura should have to split the remaining cost of $5,000. The judge agreed. Laura paid her half immediately, but Grant never did. By April of 2011, Amanda was seven months pregnant with Grant's baby. Her older daughter, Shay, came to visit her one day and found her mom inconsolable on the bathroom floor, wailing because she said she felt trapped. Grant had spent all of her money, and she began to realize that Grant was just using her to take care of his boys and fund his lifestyle.
1: It's crazy how these, <clears throat> these guys that come in and do this, and I say guys, but it's typically guys, they get they, it, they drag it on so long. And I think that goes to, like, these women are seeking the connection. Hardcore, this emotional connection and like holding on to it and praying and hoping that it's real. It just is so crazy. Like, look how late it is. She starts to realize it and feels trapped once he's pissed away all the money and he's got her in this shit situation. And it finally hits her of like, oh, I don't think this is how this is supposed to be going. Or maybe she knew throughout, but she was like, pushing it to the side, hoping that wasn't the case or hoping his career really would take off. It's just wild. Like, It's sad and it's crazy to see what it leads to.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but he was manipulating Amanda to believe that Laura was always the problem. And so Mm -hmm. Amanda was very cruel to Laura often. Um, Amanda would chastise Laura in front of the boys and raise her voice to Laura. I mean, they did not get along. And Laura knew, and it was evident in the messages that she would send to her friends that... Amanda was just being manipulated by Grant and that Grant was filling her full of bullshit about her. And so she knew that Amanda had this misunderstanding about her. And uh, Laura tried to handle it as best she could and as maturely as she could. But there were times, of course, that Laura would get frustrated and upset by this situation. I mean, she's, she's... Rightfully so. Yeah, she's the... Like, I hate to use this term, but, like, the weaker one in this element. She doesn't have the money that they have. And so... I can only imagine how helpless she felt sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Amanda is starting to kind of come to her senses and realize that deep down, she knows Grant is the unfit parent. And she was afraid that if if she, Amanda, left, that he wouldn't be able to take care of the boys or their new baby. And so, yeah, she feels stuck, too. And they're also in this apartment that she has completely run out of money to pay for. So they're going to have to move. And she has no way to go live somewhere else. She doesn't have any money.
1: You got two chicks in desperation mode, and they're realizing it. And he is just, I mean, I take it here's where he goes off the rails. So,
0: Well, just as Amanda realized that her life and future was swirling down the drain, Laura's was finally begin- beginning to kind of work itself out. She'd been meeting with the court-ordered psychiatrist. She had really taken the things that the psychiatrist told her to heart, things that she really learned about herself. She realized that she struggled with extreme low self-esteem, vulnerability and and anxiety, and she was working on herself to overcome those issues. And one of the things that greatly improved her confidence was when she and her friend Siobhan started a new business marketing for restaurants. This is where she took her graphic design talent and her marketing talent and merged them into this business. So they would meet with restaurant owners and managers and consult with them about ways to improve their graphic designs, their menus, and their advertising. And Laura was thriving at this job, making sale after sale. Her and Siobhan stayed very busy with this venture and constantly kept in touch as they ran it together. And even better, the judge in their custody case reviewed the psychiatric evaluations and decided that Laura should get more time with the boys. So the judge restructured their arrangement to be two days on, three days off, two days on, and then switch, which is a very common arrangement between co-parents. So Amanda is finally winning some of these battles. But on the flip side of that, Grant realizes that he's losing and this loss of control became too much for him to cope. Ego. go. The doctor recommended that he seek psychiatric treatment for his disturbed and illogical thinking. And he just scoffed at it. Their next court date was set for August 15th. And with everything that had been going on, the possibility of Laura getting full custody back was becoming a very realistic possibility but she would never make it to that court hearing. The new year is here and we're committed to kicking it off right by finding small ways to help us look and feel our best. Whether it's joining a new gym, eating healthier foods, we really want to prioritize taking care of ourselves inside and out. One of my new year's resolutions is to take better care of my skin this year, and I am doing just that with help from Apostrophe. Whether you're dealing with hormonal acne, breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe's mission is to empower you and help you feel confident and comfortable in your own skin. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments for all types of skin concerns from aging to acne. Simply fill out an online consultation about your skin goals and your medical history, snap a few selfies, and a dermatology provider will create a customized treatment plan specifically for you. My personal skincare goals are to reduce the sunspots that I have from excessive tanning in my naive younger days. I have just a few little dark spots on my cheeks that I would like to lighten up. So when I went on their website, I was truly shocked at how simple it was to just create an account, choose a dermatologist, and receive a personalized plan for my unique skin. I sent in a few pictures of my skin. There was no appointment needed, no driving, no waiting in an office or waiting months to even get an appointment. And before I knew it, a dermatologist prescribed me exactly what he thought I needed, and it was on its way in the mail. It literally does not get more convenient than that. Once I got the package in the mail, I was so excited to try it. They even included these little stickers that you can put on your product bottle. I actually ended up giving them to my daughter, or she stole them from me, because she's just starting her skincare journey. So I'm encouraging her to start taking care of her skin. At a young age, which is something I wish I would have done. Right now we have a special deal for our audience where you can get your first visit for only five dollars by going to apostrophe.com slash MM when you use our code MM. That's a savings of $15 and it's only available to our Mama Mystery listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com/slash MM, click get started, then use our code MM at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only five dollars. Thank you so much to Apostrophe for sponsoring this episode. On Wednesday, July 13th of 2011, Laura had a meeting at Bill's Grill. She called her friend, Oksana, around 4 p.m. that day and left a voicemail stating that she wanted to make plans to meet up with her later, but she was heading to Raleigh to get her boys first.
1: Quick random thought: Sorry, Do you ever, when you hear dates and there's something like, do you ever think of, I'm curious if listeners do this too. Do you ever think of where you were in life at that time?
0: When I'm writing it, I do. Okay.
1: Because when you say it, like you think July 2011, I'm thinking, okay, I just graduated. I was, what was I doing? I might've been at the lake or something. And meanwhile, this tragic thing is going on in the world, but that's that's always, right? Like Mm -hmm. every day, something like that is going on somewhere. And so it's just weird to hear it. Just a random thought.
0: Yeah. So she's heading to Raleigh to get her boys. She tells Oksana she'd like to make some plans later, leaves her a voicemail. Later that night, Siobhan tried to call Laura to see how the meeting at Bill's Grill went, but Laura didn't answer. The next day, Siobhan tried getting a hold of her again, but Laura again did not answer. And this was really bizarre because the two were constantly in contact as they were friends but also business owners and business partners. They had to stay in touch. So Siobhan tried calling, texting, and emailing Laura, but received nothing but radio silence. So on July 18th, Siobhan went to the police to report Laura as a missing person. Investigators went to Laura's apartment, but when they were let into her unit, they didn't find anything out of the ordinary. There was no sign of Laura and no sign of any kind of struggle. The kids' toys and rooms were there untouched, Her plants were dying, indicating that they hadn't been watered in days. So they went to the management of the apartment complex and requested to view the surveillance cameras. Thankfully, cameras were positioned near the entry and exit points of the apartment complex, and they captured Laura leaving her apartment on July 13th at 8.10 a.m. She was by herself. She was on her phone, seemingly headed to work, and it appeared to be a normal setting. So then, investigators called Grant, and Grant told them that he was expecting to meet Laura at the Sheets gas station to exchange the kids on the 15th, but that Laura never showed up. He said that he called her and left her some messages, but she never picked up or responded. So the investigators went to the Sheets gas station to review their surveillance and confirm his alibi. And sure enough, Grant was seen on camera with his two boys in tow waiting for Laura. He could be seen walking around the gas station, smoking a cigarette outside, and appearing to make calls and type messages on his phone before he finally left with the boys. The following day after Siobhan made that missing persons report, so July 19th, police discovered Laura's car. It was parked at the apartment complex where Grant and Amanda lived, and it was only about 400 yards away from their unit. So police asked Grant to come into the station to answer some questions, but he was uncooperative. So police obtained a search warrant, and upon entry of Grant and Amanda's apartment, the first thing they noticed was the odor of bleach and a huge bleach stain on the carpet right by the front door.
1: I was just going to say, I bet she was going to pick up the kids, and he made it up that they were meeting at the gas station. That was the alibi.
0: Correct. Correct. So other than that, nothing was really out of the ordinary throughout the house except for the master bathroom. The master bathroom smelled like bleach and the entire bathroom was impeccably clean without any decor or even as much as a shower curtain for their bathtub slash shower. Which was bizarre to them because they're like, people live here.
1: Just looks like a new build. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In the kitchen area, police found a note that read, quote, I, Laura J. Ackerson, for the sum of $25,000, agree not to pursue custody of the two minor children. I am not surrendering parental rights, but I do consent to leaving them in the sole custody of their father for now. Further, I agree to drop all pending litigation against their father in the Lenore County Family Court. And then in different handwriting, it continued to say, By notifying counsel John Sagent of our arrangement, less the monetary compensation, I understand that I will be able to see my kids when I want to at the discretion of their father. Dated July 13th, 2011, and signed Laura Ackerson. Now, aside from the bizarre content of this contract, it was obvious that two people wrote this. And because it, ha- it had two different, very distinguishable, different handwritings. If you're watching on the video, you can see it. If you're listening on our podcast, I'll put the pictures on our Instagram so you can see. But Amanda's daughter caught wind of everything going on. And she also made a discovery at the apartment that she brought to the detective's attention. At the house, she found the manual for a saw and couldn't understand why Grant or Amanda would have a saw at all. So she brought the manual to police. And when police looked into the manufacturing details of this particular saw, they discovered that it was a brand sold by Walmart. So detectives narrowed down which Walmart Grant would have shopped at, and they discovered receipts and surveillance of Grant shopping at Walmart at 2:30 in the morning on July 14th, the day after Laura disappeared. The video showed Grant strolling through the empty, quiet aisles of Walmart in the middle of the night, consulting with an employee there, choosing a saw, and then bringing it to the checkout.
1: These MFers that cut up bodies, you got to be a sick, twisted, messed up individual. Like, it's insane. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. Then Shay gave them even more information, admitting that Grant and Amanda made a spontaneous trip to Texas a few days prior with three small children in tow, including Amanda's brand new baby, and that they rented a small U-Haul trailer. She didn't want to get her mom into any trouble, but she just felt like something was wrong and that she had to do the right thing. Police started running surveillance on Grant and Amanda at that point. How
1: old was the little girl that said that?
0: Shay is her adult daughter.
1: Oh, it's her adult daughter. Okay.
0: Police started running surveillance on Grant and Amanda at that point, and the couple was now staying at his parents' house because they were kicked out of their apartment because they had no more money. And once they were able to obtain bank records, police found that Grant made a second trip to Walmart two days after the first trip where he bought a large 120-quart blue cooler and bags of ice. They also discovered that he had rented a U-Haul trailer on the 16th of July and told the U-Haul employees that he was taking a fishing trip to Texas and that he was carrying coolers with fish bait in them. Amanda's sister, Karen, lived in Texas, and police sought her out to ask her some questions. It's now 11 days after Laura went missing, and Karen, although distraught, agreed to speak with police when they showed up at her door. She admitted that Amanda and Grant showed up a bit unexpectedly and asked her if they could borrow her boat to go fishing in the creek behind her house. Karen took care of the kids while Grant and Amanda seemed stressed as they worked constantly outside and ran errands. She didn't know exactly what they were up to, but as the trip dragged on, she started putting pieces together. She remembered them asking her son if there were alligators in the creek and even asked if alligators were capable of eating a human body. Then Karen said Amanda admitted to her that they they hurt Laura and hurt her bad. With this information, investigators began scouring the area outside.
1: These dumbasses have all these people involved, like the sister, the daughter, the kids coming with the Walmart. I mean, it, like everything's involved. Who do you yeah. ever think you were going to get away with it?
0: So with this information, investigators began scouring the area outside and almost immediately, miraculously, they found two pieces of a human torso in the creek behind Karen's house. And I want you to understand that this murky water was so dark. It was infested with alligators. It had coverage on it like lily pads and moss and whatever. It truly was a miracle that Laura was found. Soon after, Laura's skull was found, but it was clear that it had been damaged with some sort of acid, and it turns out that Grant had gone to a nearby Home Depot in Texas looking for acid to get rid of a mess that he alleged pigs had made. He told the Home Depot employee that there was a huge mess made by pigs and that it smelled so bad he wanted something to clean it up, something like muriatic acid. The employee advised him that muriatic acid is more for like concrete masonry workers or people who own swimming pools because it helps you to clean like the concrete edge of your swimming pool. But Grant insisted because he knows everything that what he wanted was muriatic acid and he purchased multiple containers of this acid. So I don't know if I mentioned this later, but it just came to mind. Clearly, he figured out that it didn't work. He was hoping the muriatic acid would probably dissolve her fully, but all it did was damage her remains. And so the leftover muriatic acid, Amanda was seen on a trail cam dumping it at the end of like a cul-de-sac on some rogue street or like uh, back road. And so she's seen on trail cam dumping this muriatic acid. And that was something that they used in the case. Over the next two days, more of Laura's body was recovered, and they were able to recover about 60% of her in total. DNA confirmed that it was Laura, and this case went from being a missing persons case to a murder case with Grant and Amanda Hayes as the prime suspects. But at this point, they were back in Kinston, so the authorities in Texas alerted the authorities in North Carolina, and just 12 days after Laura disappeared, a SWAT team descended on Grant's parents' house and arrested Grant and Amanda, taking them into custody. Investigators surmised that on the 13th, when Laura arrived at Grant and Amanda's apartment, that there was an argument between Laura, Grant, and Amanda when Laura refused to give up her boys. It's believed that they attacked her in the front room where that bleach stain was before they moved her body to the bathroom where they dismembered her in the bathtub. After completely scrubbing the bathroom in bleach, they put her body parts into coolers, packed the coolers into the trailer, and drove Laura's remains from North Carolina to Texas. Sick. On September 16th of 2013, a jury only took two hours to deliberate, and Grant Hayes was convicted of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life without parole. Amanda was tried separately, and on February 18th of 2014, Amanda Hayes was convicted of second-degree murder. She was sentenced to 13 to 16 years in prison.
1: What's your opinion on that? Well... it seems like she was every bit as instrumental as him.
0: You know... I mean, she
1: participated in the whole damn thing.
0: She did. So I don't disagree that she should have been found guilty. I can see where some people think that she was manipulated by this guy, but I have a really hard time <coughs> having sympathy for someone who participated in the gruesome murder and dismemberment and disposal of the mother of these boys that she was taking care of.
1: Yeah, I it's can, a human. It's yeah. a
0: human being. You just you.
1: And, like, I, I think I sit here and what I think is, like, sure, she was probably manipulated, no question, okay? But she was along for the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, so, supposedly, <laughs> so we think. I mean, we saw her dumping We know that she was dumping the acid out. Mm-hmm. She went for the ride to Texas. She had every opportunity to bail to, and probably in fear, sure, bail, tell somebody, I'm out on this. And she participated all the way through the, from beginning to end. So the fact that she gets out in 13 to 16 years.
0: Well, hold up because there's more. Okay. So she was sentenced to 13 to 16 years for the second degree murder charge. After that, jurors said that at one point there were nine people in favor of first degree murder, two who wanted acquittal, and one who wasn't or who was undecided.
1: Acquittal means like free her?
0: Yeah. That
1: shocked <sighs> no, blows me. I my think. Mind.
0: I think that they were wanting to acquit because they didn't believe that she had a part in the murder and that she had a part in everything else, but not the murder, just specifically taking Laura's Mm. life,
1: which I guess none of us were there. So
0: but um, at the end of the day, they all agreed that they didn't want a hung jury. So they worked out a compromise to convict her of the lesser charge of second degree murder. And Laura's defense was that she didn't know Laura was killed and cut up until they got to Texas. But the jurors. They all agreed that none of them believed that she didn't know. Yeah, I don't believe it. Whether she was there when it happened or knew immediately after, she knew. Yeah. Amanda's defense attorney, Rosemary Godwin, stood before the judge to plead for leniency, saying, quote, Except for her relationship with Mr. Hayes, it is extraordinarily unlikely that Mrs. Hayes would have found herself in a courtroom of any kind if mr hayes had met mrs hayes first and miss ackerson second it could very well be that mrs hayes would be the victim in this case but the judge was not having it arguing quote which is what you're basically saying that would require Miss Ackerson to participate in the killing of Amanda Hayes. And my problem here is that I personally believe with regard to the evidence, it is quite possible or likely that Amanda Hayes could have saved the life of Laura Ackerson, and she chose not to. Yes. She chose instead to participate in her killing. Yes. And, and,
1: and even if it wasn't the killing, you chose to participate throughout the whole rest of it, which makes you a yep. pretty aft up human.
0: Mm-hmm. So Amanda was also tried in Texas for tampering with a corpse. And four years after that original trial, Texas found Amanda Hayes guilty of tampering with a corpse. And they added 20 years to her sentence. So she's
1: in for 36, 33 to 39. Mm -hmm.
0: And then according to WRAL, which is a news source that covered this case, um, several of their sources alleged that there was telephone recordings of a romantic and sexual relationship between Lieutenant Linda Hicks and Amanda Hayes leading to Linda Hicks resignation on March 3rd of 2014. And the relationship allegedly occurred while she was in jail waiting for her murder trial. So while she's waiting to go on trial for the murder of Laura Ackerson, Amanda Hayes is having this inappropriate relationship with one of the guards, one of the female guards. So I don't know, in my mind, I'm just thinking, your character is.
1: Okay, very I was low. curious why you put that in there. I mean, because literally what I was thinking, Kel, was like uh, that movie where I was the first one to have a television. <laughs> interesting fact. It, it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant, but interesting. Like, that's what I was thinking when you said that, but you're saying it just to call into question. Even more her character.
0: yes. like you're awaiting trial for the murder of this woman. This is like the biggest trial of your life. She's being tried for first degree murder. She was gonna potentially face life in prison if convicted. Mm-hmm. and she's having an affair with one of the guards. like she's still causing trouble even when she's on about to go on trial for this other mm-hmm. thing. I'm just like that's you your morals are just shit. yeah that's where I was going. With yeah,
1: that. I get that. that makes more sense.
0: yeah. Um, And I mean, the the interesting tidbit is that it was a relationship with a woman. So she switched teams. Grant is apparently so terrible that he caused a woman to switch teams. Also an interesting fact. But if you are interested in more details on this story and reading all of the correspondence, I mean, the book is really good. It has emails and messages that were sent back and forth. Grant was just, I mean, nuisance would be an inappropriate word because nuisance nuisance implies that there's still something likable about the person. They're just a nuisance, but he was just awful. He's just awful. Mm -hmm. He is. And Amanda is not much better, but she's not as bad as Grant. I will say that.
1: Interesting. It's just really sad
0: though, that these boys are now left without either of their parents Mm -hmm. and they're being taken care of now by Grant's parents. But
1: speaking of Texas and parents being gone, this is interesting. Effective this year, 2024 in Texas, if you're, did you know this already?
0: I don't know what you're about to say.
1: If a drunk driver kills the parents of kids, they're responsible for paying child support.
0: I think that's absolutely fair. I think it's
1: a big win for Texas. And I think it's something the whole freaking country should adopt. Yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, are these people not going to go to prison or whatever? So how are they going to pay the... T- I don't know. I don't know enough to know how it works, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't know the details, but I think it's absolutely fair. Yeah. I think... Crazy. Yeah, I can't believe people still drink and drive. What are you doing?
1: Yeah. It's a wild episode, Crazy. babe. Well, That's thanks, it, though. Thanks for listening to everybody, even if you are a flat earther, you third-year-worn <laughs> welcome here. <laughs> and Mama, mystery, out. Bye. Bye.